think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 31. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday. Steelers Nation is the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off just a horrible, no good, very bad, whatever adjective you'd like to use is appropriate. 30-6 to loss to the Houston Texans. Pittsburgh dropping to 2-2 two and two on the season. Dave, I would say to give me your doom, despair, and agony song. But I I don't think this team deserves your sultry tones right now after this just miserable performance. Offense, defense, coaching, it was all one big mess Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I'll spare the folks are in enough misery probably as it (laughs) is uh, to hear me uh, belt out a couple of lines of that uh, uh, Texas-sized ass-kicking, right? Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen a couple of, uh, very complete losses, uh, by this team and, uh, saw one, you know, obviously one of those, uh, yesterday there and felt like, uh, 49ers part two, you know, uh, so to speak there, but, uh, all right. Uh, it is our duty to, uh, carry on and tell the people what we observed and, Bring them up to speed on on the news and all like that. So let's get after it. We'll talk about the bad here in a moment. And I'm going to try to probably use today as a vent session alongside everybody I'm sure listening and probably you as well, Dave. But we do have to start with more of the housekeeping in the injury situation. And of course, the, the big news from an injury standpoint coming out of this game was the knee injury, left knee injury that quarterback Kenny Pickett suffered on that failed fourth and one late in the third quarter of yesterday's loss and still don't know exactly the details on it. He was going to go undergo an an MRI today. According to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, does not appear to be season-ending. The ACL seems to be okay. The concern is that MCL and potentially the meniscus. And so uh, we may know more information by Monday afternoon at some point after recording this. But uh, as bad as the game was, our focus initially is on Kenny Pickett in his status going forward. Yeah. And even if it's winds up not being season ending, uh, per, you know, kind of the reports that have trickled out at this point now, uh, I'd be pretty amazed if he's able to play against the Ravens, uh, in, in week five. And then obviously the bye week is after that. So I would, I would guess that the uh, best case scenario is that you get him back the game after the bye, but 
it might, you know, we'll see obviously the severity and the timetable and yada, yada on that. But, uh, uh, you know, the fact that they ruled him out so quick uh, uh, out of the rest of the game after suffering that injury and, uh, you know, just the reports that that are kind of out there right now, it, it feels like it would be a minor miracle if he's able to play against the Ravens. Right. Yeah. I I mean, we don't want to speculate too much, but based on what we do know, it would be, I think, a really big shock if he did. I think week seven after the bye is probably best case scenario, but Mike Tomlin will have an official update of some sort tomorrow during his Tuesday press conference. And again, hopefully get some more information later today. Other injuries in this game, Dan Moore with the knee, Pat Frymuth with a hamstring. Jerry Dulac says it's more than a tweak. He's going to get scanned today. And Marvin Leal, I think, has some sort of head injury. He got kind of hit around the head a couple times in this game. And so those things are all things to watch for in week number five. Yeah, the uh, the thing with uh, Dan Moore Jr., did that happen on the first play? Kind of took an awkward step or whatnot. It was either the first or second play, uh, I think. I went back and tried to find, see if I could find that and that's about all I could, but he only played like eight plays and was out of mm-hmm. the game. And then uh, Broderick Jones was in there. Uh, have it tracked down what happened to Leal and and uh, the same thing with uh, with, with Fryermuth there. I guess the uh, if the report from Jerry Dulac holds true that it's more than just a tweak, and if he has to miss multiple games, let's let's say he has to go on on IR, I would imagine that they would entertain the thought, as Joe Clark wrote in that post this morning, of plucking uh, Zach Gentry uh, off the uh, the Bengals practice squad. Right, that would make sense. Maybe some blocking tight ends could help because Farmuth's blocking has been subpar, to say the least. And not that this is the big storyline of the game, but just thinking about Farmuth for a moment, if, if he does miss significant time, you know, a month plus, and then he's had the, the quiet start, not really gotten too involved in the offense, supposed to be his big year to get a contract extension this summer. So that would be obviously a a really poor way to begin or really play be the first half of 2023. Yeah, absolutely. He would really have to turn it on in the, uh, in the second half uh, for, for, for sure. And look, the, you know, the blocking, and we've talked about it for several, several, you know, for, for quite a while now. And he got taken for a ride by uh, Jonathan Grenard uh, in this game. Uh, and it just, I mean, and, and it's not just him either. The blocking, the, you know, as we mentioned, the tight end blocking as a whole. And not that uh, Zach Gentry is going to really elevate the room in that area, but he's probably at least on par with what Firemuth's been giving you, maybe a little bit more in, 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 in that area. But I, I would speculate that that would, I don't know what else is out there right now. And at least with Gentry knows what you're doing offensively. Uh, so that mm-hmm. would probably make the most sense here. And probably by, I would like to think that by Wednesday, we'll have a better idea of, of what's going to happen with these injured guys here. Uh, at least when it comes to week five. Sure. When the team starts practicing Wednesday, you want your guys with you. Whoever's going to be ready for Baltimore to be on the field, getting prepared. So uh, one other quick note of housekeeping here from an active standpoint, Pittsburgh having six in this game. They elevated punter Brad Wing in this game to replace Presley Harvin III, who did not play due to the, due to the hamstring injury suffered against the Raiders uh, alongside him being inactive or Mason Rudolph as the emergency third quarterback. James Daniels was ruled out Friday with a groin injury. Nate Herbig replaced him at right guard. Gunnar Olszewski, a healthy scratch. 
Godwin Ibukwe, the running back inactive, and nose tackle Brain Fahoko down once again. Desmond King was the team's starting kick returner. So a couple of injuries here, although let's be honest, you know, Daniels and Harvin, all of them could have played, and this still would have been a loss. Yeah, with Gunner being a healthy scratch, uh, they had Fitzpatrick, right? Des Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. in uniform there. I mean, what does it say if Des Fitzpatrick's getting a helmet over you? And I don't. It says Des played, but how many uh, how many snaps did he play in this one here? I'm trying to find out. He played three special team snaps only uh, in this game. Uh, Desmond King was limited to just. Uh, kickoffs, I guess, just six special team snaps for him in this game. What else stuck out? Uh, Joey, you know, just quickly going over some snap counts mm-hmm. real quick. Joey Porter Jr. played just 10 uh, defensive snaps in this game. Uh, I think you've done the charting all dime again. Yep, all dime again. Uh, trying to see what else kind of sticks out here. I think that's just kind of the, the 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 main takeaway as far as the snap totals go. Uh, here and what else was there? Uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, Keanu Benton played twenty nine snaps in this game. Uh, How many did Loudermilk play? Uh, thirteen. Yeah, he's losing time, and they lost Leal in this game, and he's still not getting on the field. So that's he's fading fast. Yeah. All right. What else? Where where to from from here? Let's do this. I wanna I wanna vent it out here in a moment, but let's talk about the good, which is a short conversation and a thirty to six loss. But let's talk about what we liked about this game, and then we can just be angry at the rest of the podcast and talk about what we did not like in this game. So I thought the, the two main positives from this one: Alex Highsmith getting some pressures, especially on third down. He had a relatively easy matchup facing a third string left tackle who had. Never played a snap offensively in the NFL, let alone started a game and looked like it on a couple of rushers. And Najee Harris, I thought, ran super hard. I think you had the all 22 clip of the 32 yard catch that he had and those blocking first released and just showing the power there. And they did get the run game going a bit in the third quarter. And Harris, I thought, was a, a big part of that. So I thought he ran hard. He ran physical. That was good to see for him to at least individually have, I thought, a, a fairly good game. But uh, those are the those are the two things I got for you, Dave, on the good side. Yeah, uh, and I haven't made it to the uh, defensive uh, all twenty-two reel yet, but it kind of felt uh, from uh, from the from from the TV tape that Alex Highsmith probably was, you know, one of one of one of the better performers on a defensive side of football. And I mean, we'll have to see what the all twenty-two says. And you know, without a doubt, Najee Harris was your best player, I think, on the offensive side of football. A low bar overall, but it's uh, it was a good performance, I do think, for, for Najee Harris. All right, Dave, for the bad, where do you want to begin? The, the, the thing that frustrates me the most about these terrible losses, these big blowout defeats are you don't really know where to begin because it's not like you can isolate one moment or one play or one unit. It is bad across the board. And big picture, and I've written about this pretty extensively this morning, it's become alarming at how frequent the Pittsburgh aren't just aren't just losing, but they're getting just killed. They're playing uncompetitive football from start to finish. The second time it's happened in four games this season, week one against the 49ers, week four against the Texans. Um, and, and that is just this team not showing up, nothing going right, and them getting destroyed. 
Good luck to Tyler Wise of coming up with a turning point. <laughs> it might I think been the opening the, kickoff. <laughs> I think the coin flip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they deferred. That was the turning point. Uh, oh, Lord. Uh, I mean, there, there's, you know, once again, uh, yeah, you defer and then you can't stop the run. And then the Texans on that first drive try to try to they shot off both their big toes on both their uh, <laughs> uh, feet there. With they the, scored four times. On yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, they did their best to try to come away with, with, with just a field goal in that situation uh, there. And then, I mean, yeah, look, I mean, was it a, was it a ticky tack call on, 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 on Minka? That's another play that I want to see, you know, from, from like an end zone view. Cause I, I think it might've been, did, did he tug him or was it incidental kind of trip, you know, uh, foot contact? I, I don't know what happened there, but I mean, just on the TV tape alone, it felt like it was kind of ticky tack, but, uh, you know, they, 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 uh, the Texans did a good job coming out with that screen game and then obviously mixing in the run and the Steelers weren't very gap sound. You have Kendrick green going downfield and wearing, uh, Cole Holcomb as a hat and planting him, uh, uh, on that screen game. And, and it just got, I mean, it got off to an ugly start on the defensive side of the football there uh, from, from the get go. Couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop anything, whether it was the pass game, you know, CJ Stroud in rhythm, not sacked in this one, despite four of the five starting Texans offensive linemen, not playing in this one, third string left tackle, Kendrick Green at left guard, rookie center, Stroud's Jersey barely needs washed after this game. And they, and they did that because they had a great game plan. I mean, they, they ran the ball well. They used play action. They used a screen game early to slow down that Steelers pass rush. And then they built a lead and sat on it. And that's why Stroud was able to play so clean. They were in rhythm. They were on schedule. And Pittsburgh's pass rush never really had many opportunities. To eat. You, you pointed out, you know, Joey Porter Jr. playing 10 snaps in this one because they were not in third and long. Houston was not. They were barely getting the third down at all. I think they were pretty efficient on third down in this game around 40, 50 percent. Uh, off third down conversion rate. So they had a great game plan. They executed and Pittsburgh could not do really anything right. I think they had what five quarterback hits in total. I think Kai Smith had two of them. I think a Landon Roberts had two of them. And I think uh, TJ Watt uh, had, 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 had the other one for, for a total of five there. And man, I, you know, you go into this game and, and all we could talk about is boy, look at the injuries. Or, I mean, you know, look at the uh, patchwork, uh, Tex Texans offensive line here. And, you know, surely if you can stop the run in this and, and get them in, 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 you know, uh, disadvantaged situations in second or third long, well, then you can turn those guys loose. But, uh, it, 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 you know, it obviously didn't happen that way. And man, they, they, and this is a Texans team that hadn't run all that great. Although, as I did point out, you know, ahead of the game, uh, that there were, in previous tape of, of theirs, it looked like there were certain situations where they were close to maybe popping some runs against who was it, the Colts and Jaguars and stuff. But they certainly did in in in, in this game for sure. And you know, when 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 you can't put it, uh, opposing offenses in second and long and third and long situation, now there were I think a total of like. Well, what did I come up with? Like 12 situations, I think, in second and third and long situations. But I think maybe most of those maybe came out, you know, a little bit later in the game. Mm -hmm. But but they definitely came out to shoot uh, with the Steelers defense on, on their heels and, you know, ran the ball well. And I, th I thought Stroud really, really played well. And, 
you know, in instances where he needed to get the ball out, he got the ball out and in instances where he held and there was a little bit of pass rush, he was able to avoid it and either, you know, uh, get the ball, you know, either throw it away or, 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 or make a throw that, you know, obviously didn't cost them a turnover and all uh, like that as well, too. So a uh, huge fail for the Steelers defense, you know, in, 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 in this game. And boy, that uh, they, 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 they pulled out the halfback option mm. pass. And, Just twist and, the knife. Yeah. What, what was the stat you had on that? When was the last time that Curtis Martin? Well, it actually happened last year when wide receiver Braxton and Berrios hit Zach Wilson, but the last running back to throw a touchdown pass was Curtis Martin in 2001 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, and then uh, fast forward. Boy, you uh, you called that one right about uh, that other wide receiver of there, Nico Collins. Uh, uh, he had a hell of a game in this one. And boy, that one touchdown pass with, with Peterson in, in coverage there. Uh, obviously some good separation, uh, by Collins on that play, but, uh, what a throw by, uh, uh, Stroud on that particular one. Yeah. I mean, the nail was already in the coffin at that point, I think, but they added another one to, uh, make that what 30, 30 points for the, the Texans zooming out for just a moment. My big takeaway in this one, and I think the players did not execute and we can go through the all 22 and talk about technique and, and those types of things for sure. And we will. But I picked the Texans in, in this game, and it's my, my very short and brief victory lap because of the coaching staff, because they had San Francisco, and Patrick Peterson said this after the game, they, they were San Francisco 2.0. I mean, they have the, you know, D'Amico Ryans was the 49ers DC last year, now the head coach of the Texans. Bobby Slowick was on the 49ers staff last year. He's now the Texans OC. And I just thought from a coaching schematic standpoint, the Texans ran circles around Mike Tomlin, Terrell Austin, and Matt Canada, whether that's, again, offensively for the Texans, using their zone run game, which Pittsburgh has never been as good in, against stopping zone schemes as they have been more power man schemes like the Raiders, um, whether that's the play-action game, whether that's the screen game to really counter that pass rush well, which they did brilliant, brilliantly and, and, and effectively, uh, flip over to the Texans side of the ball in terms of the stunts that they ran, in terms of you know Stephen Nelson being able to read and pick off the pass to Calvin Austin on the same concept that they run a million times Pittsburgh has this season, including the one last week on the 72-yard touchdown uh, to Calvin Austin against the Raiders. So so big picture is, I thought, just schematically, Pittsburgh was outcoached in, in really every, every facet of this game. Jesus, I see what you've done for other people, and I, <laughs> I want that for me. Amen. <laughs> the meme for those wondering what that is coming from. Oh, uh, boy, uh, Matt Canada sees something that works, and he he tries to uh, put put some lipstick on that pig, don't he? Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, that worked. Let's 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 do it again. That's four games in a row, ain't it? They've had to run that that shallow cross post play at least a dozen times, literally a dozen times this season. They ran it, I believe, seven or eight in the opener against the 49ers. They ran it against the Raiders. They ran it. And, and, and I know it's tough. There's a line to walk because it's working or it has worked. You know, how do you, you keep going back to it? You know, when the defense is adjust? And frankly, I mean, there's two components to it. The call, probably too repetitive. Pickett's throw was short under throw. If that's a better throw, there's a better chance Austin makes that play. It's a decent look they got on that one. But yeah, I mean, it just kind of goes back to the limited menu of plays and defenses eventually adjust and, and you get burned on and you can't run the same play 20 times and expect, you know, it's not college where 
teams aren't doing the film study and the athletes aren't as good and the football IQ isn't as high. I mean, these guys get paid to do this kind of homework, man. They, they, they watch film and you run this stuff over and over again, you're, you're going to lose. Steven Nelson said it after the game, right? Seen it. Uh, and, and look, uh, if, if you're going to run that, you know, could that have connected if, if Kenny tries to out throw all, you know, overthrow, you know, in other words, put that ball out because that ball did hang a little bit mm -hmm. in there. And there, there was maybe an instance where maybe you're thinking, you know, if that ball's out there, does it have a chance? But I mean, what, what would have, what would that throw have had to been air yardage from, from the line of scrimmage to even get us talking about that. I mean, definitely if you underthrow it, I mean, that, that, that's not going to happen. It was a little bit behind, you know, Calvin Austin is really kind of trying to reach back up over the top of his head uh, in that. I mean, I, I guess the question is, is if he lays, if he, if he lays that out there further, you know, it's either an overthrow or do, does it, or does he hit him in that? Sure. It was not a great throw by Pickett. So I don't want to put all the blame on that play on the play call. But again, you run this stuff over and over and over again. Eventually, defenses are going to catch up. Eventually, your luck's going to, to run out. The, the, the secondary is going to make a play. But really, to the broader point, I just think Pittsburgh was outcoached across the board, not just on that one particular instance. Right. And, and I think they've been outcoached in every single game this season, even the wins over the Browns. And the Raiders, I don't think Pittsburgh's coaching was what won them the game. I think they got a couple of good plays from from their personnel or their opposing team. You know, Garoppolo making mistakes or Watson, um, you know, getting strip sacked when, when Highsmith beat Willis off the edge. Um, I, I don't I don't know the last time Pittsburgh really won a game because of the schematics of it. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm kind of getting a little in the weeds here and I don't want to say this is the sole reason why. But I think this team in a lot of ways misses Brian Flores, because what I saw last year was Flores always doing a little a little something here, a little something there to kind of give themselves an edge. And there's always be some new wrinkle and, you know, different coverage or personnel grouping or front or structure that just gave the defense just that, that, that specific edge to that specific game. That's what Flores is. He, he really tailors things to the opponent as opposed to a broader based scheme and philosophy. And I think Pittsburgh defensively is missing that. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, there's some instances I think you can, think that when they have certain personnel packages out there in, in, in certain down, down and distances that uh, opposing offenses kind of know what to expect. Yeah. I mean, for example, on that single Terry touchdown pass, they came out Houston did in 13 personnel because I'm betting they knew based on tape that Pittsburgh would come out with their four defensive line, ultra big package, their four, four defense, which they did. And that, you know, put fewer coverage guys and took a safety off the field and helped open up that touchdown from Singletary to Dalton Schultz. So it's those types of things where you can anticipate what the defense is going to do, what they're going to present to you based on your grouping, and you can counter off of that. Boy, and they uh, they certainly spotted a Landon Roberts on the field, didn't they? Yeah, another thing they did, they came out and empty quite a bit in this game. The old Browns script of, you know, be a heavy personnel team, 12 personnel, 21 personnel, and then spread the field and, and attack the linebackers that are out there in base defense. And Roberts played quite a bit in this game. I thought Quan probably should have played more. But Roberts is kind of one of their their base defense three four type of dudes, and they picked on him a, a, a quite a bit with you know seam passes and also perimeter runs. Where Roberts lacks the speed to win to the outside. Once again, we always talk about this when it comes to the opposition, but we never talk mm -hmm. about it. <laughs> Once again, Jesus, I see what you've done for other people. You know, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it goes without saying they got out coach, period. Uh, and, and, it, and it's showing up on both sides of the football. And, man, you, you, you get this through four games on, on, on tape now. And other teams are obviously, you know, going to pick up on this moving forward as well. Here is, you know, move, moving forward here. So uh, it's a wonder this team's won two games, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, they were, you know, close games. and, and four, still offense, wins four offensive touchdowns. Uh, two mm. of them of the what seventy yard variety. Uh, it, it feels like didn't I say this the other day? Like a seventy yard or bust kind of uh, offense here uh, at, at at this point. And man, we're gonna jump all over the place here. But what mm-hmm. about uh? uh well, I was gonna, it, it doesn't feel like that. It is. It, it's yeah. literally the offense right now. No rushing touchdowns in four games. What happened to bully ball? What happened to we're gonna run the ball? We're gonna be effective. They can't get in the red zone. This is the first time since 1990 they have not had a rushing touchdown in their first four games. If they don't have a rushing score against Baltimore in week five, it'll be the first time they've ever had that kind of a drought to start a season. I mean, it is just bully ball, and that's all That's all been talk. It's been no action. It feels like the offensive identity is I, uh, I, know, I know Calvin Austin's down there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, F it. Austin's down there somewhere is not. A, a long-term scheme. That, that's not identity, is it? Uh, uh, what did you think about Sparrow uh, Ditas of CBS Sports uh, uh, during the game saying, one thing that Matt Canada said to us when we sat with him yesterday at their hotel, you know, they're not quite built to come back from big leads. <laughs> I'm glad I was sitting down for that news whenever he presented it because a big shock on my face. I mean, it's, it's accurate, but also Pittsburgh is like the worst first half team ever. And so they're, they're built in a way that they literally can't win. Apparently, yeah. They, uh, I mean, okay, we we all know that, but do you have to <laughs> do, do you have to run around telling people that at the team hotel and turn around and use it on on you know for them to use during a broadcast there? All right, uh, offense. Uh, man, Broderick Jones looked rough in there, didn't he? You've seen the all twenty-two more than I, mean, I don't, have. Don't, don't get me wrong; the whole offensive line mm-hmm. look look. I, I struggle coming up, uh, and I've I've made it through three quarters of the of the all twenty-two, and I struggle trying to tell you who was probably the best offensive lineman, and I think it might have been Chiquamo Corfor. But that is not a contest you want to particularly win. I'm assuming, right? Right. Okay. Uh, it just, you know, there, there were once again, a few instances in here, but they, Hey, we saw some moving guards a couple of times in this one. We saw the crunch, uh, work, uh, well. uh, one time on the Jalen Warren run, uh, saw Najee hit some things up in the middle and, and, and break a couple of arm tackles, uh, uh, you know, a little bit in this game here. But uh, at, at that point, I mean, you're running at, you know, was that a byproduct? I'll have to go back and, and, and check box counts and stuff like that and all. But was that a byproduct of, 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 of being behind, you know, like you were at the time and them just focusing more on not giving up the explosive play uh, at that point? But, you know, there was a point that one drive they had, what, 40 something rushing yards uh, uh, on one of those drives there. But yet. You're you're running running the ball good and and Najee's you know seems to be filling it a little bit there and then you get into that fourth and one play and you took time out of your busy schedule to write a post about that I think mid game didn't you or right not soon after it 
right after the game ended because I, I wanted to write about it so so badly, but I also knew all the post-game stuff was coming in. So I, I mean, I've never written an article faster trying to get those thoughts out there. I called it his most miserable decision ever. And I know hindsight's twenty twenty, and it plays work and everyone gets praised for him. That's how coaching goes. But it's fourth and one. Uh, your run game has been effective this quarter. Najee's run well. It's been physical. You've finally gotten some traction with your run game. And so you decide to call out a shotgun, no play action, a five-step drop without anything really hitting quick to the sticks. I think there was one maybe curl route to, might have been Connor Hayward. I, I, I have not watched the playback on the All-22. What are you doing? Like, What is the intent there? What are you trying to accomplish? It's fourth and one. You finally have a run game. You got a first-round picket running back, a guy that's run hard this quarter. What is the goal on this play? Get the first down and move on. I mean, I think every fourth down decision in this game in the second half was terrible, whether that's Tomlin kicking field goals, punting, or the actual time they go for it, that you know they come up with that disaster. And then Tomlin's talking about, though, they respotted the ball. It was a longer yard. Who cares? Who cares? It's a yeah. half yard yard. Run the ball. Get downhill again. You're the bully ball team. You're the... You know, we know the type of team we're. That's what Mike Tomlin said all offseason was, you know, we're not hiding the type of team that we're trying to build. And then on fourth and one, when you test those types of things, that's the call you come up with. So, and then of course, Kenny Pickett gets hurt to to put the cherry on top of that terrible Sunday. So, yeah. I mean, I just don't understand any aspect of that. Yeah, and I mean, what point of the game was that? I mean, is that going to end up being Tyler Wise's turning point? Last minute of the third quarter. I mean, I don't. I think it was maybe was it twenty three to six or sixteen to six. What was the? That is important information to to acknowledge. I think it might have been sixteen to six at that point. Uh, it was sixteen to six. One sixteen left in the uh, in 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 the third quarter. So you know that's a. I mean, if you convert that, you go down and get a touchdown. There, it's what it, it it's it's yeah, six you're in sixteen it. thirteen. You're 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 back in the ball game there. So. Uh, and I don't want to, you know, you know me, I don't like Tyler doesn't need my help. (laughs) He does such (laughs) a great job on these, on these posts, but I do find myself, especially in games like this, trying to figure out which way Tyler wise is going to go on that. But I, that might be a good candidate to be, uh, the turning point as bad as, as bad as everything was up until that point. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, as bad as it was, your defense did get a couple stops, held them to a couple field goals, got some second half punts. I mean, you felt like you had a chance to get back into that game. Can you rationalize any reason for that fourth and one play call, Dave? None. None. Zero. Nope. Even even, even if it works, I have a feeling everybody's going to think, ooh, I think we'll be going. They they got lucky there. You know, what are they doing, you know? I mean, if you want to, and I'm being charitable here, but if you want to run a boot or a play action or even the sprint out, okay, I can get that because, you know, it's designed to be quick and catch the defense off guard and get the first down. But I mean, it's a five-step drop. And what what were the route combinations? I think everything was spread out. Everything was past the sticks. I just don't understand what you're trying to accomplish there. Not even taking a shot to the engine like the Raiders did. You know, if you're going to, Take your shot and take your shot deep. You're just you're playing like it's third and seven or fourth and five. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. Cur- cur- curious uh, call for sure. Uh, what do you think about the play of Pickett up until the injury? Generally poor overall. And again, I need to go through the all twenty-two. Uh, I thought he missed some things. I know we can probably Did- debate a bit about that Connor Hayward, Allen Robinson decision. 
to me, going back and what to me, uh, Connor was never going to be in the picture there. To me, it felt like Kenny's mind was made up. Uh, and it feels like the corner uh, left that with the anticipation that Kenny was going to go uh, to Allen Robinson on that. <clears throat> uh, now, uh, Kenny, Kenny got popped by two guys on that play. Mm-hmm. And it just, I think if you look at all, all angles of that, he's, he's staring down Robinson. Uh, to me, all the way on, I don't, I don't even think he, I don't even think he considered going to Connor Hayward on that. And even if he did, he probably has to hold the ball just a, another another second longer. And is he able to get anything on the throw in that situation there? And also, it kind of feels like Robinson should have kept. He, it feels like Kenny expected him to continue to run in towards a pylon on that. If you look at the ball placement on that. And um, I almost wonder if, 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 if Robinson keeps going on that, if, if maybe that can get completed. I, I agree that he locked on the Robinson. The question is, should he have done that or could he have moved to Hayward? It's a sure. concept. I, I think if there is any quote unquote excuse for Pickett, it was the pressure. I mean, pressure influences poor decisions and there was pressure in, in the face of Pickett on that play. So that, that's probably the, the biggest defense you can have. I mean, I don't think, I don't think no matter where you try to put that ball or what what route Robinson runs, that's going to get complete. You got two corners driving on on that underneath throw. Sure. So, I mean, again, it's a, it's a a moment of Pickett locking in to that first read and just ripping it, and that's been a habitual issue for him this season. And I think even if you, if he if he's not so locked in, what Najee wide open leaking out to the right side, you know, and and obviously he would have had to look off quickly yeah, and, and, re- and reset and all like that to play, you know, that was probably the, you know, opposite place. I mean, it was opposite play side anyway, uh, there from that concept there, but uh, you know, it, it also feels like by the time Hayward's coming out of the top of his, uh, top of his route there, that, that Kenny's already made the decision where he's going with the football. No, I agree, but I think that's part of the problem. It's a smash concept. You might read that low to high. You know, if the cornerback is going to sink, then you're going to throw the curl. If he if he drives, you're going to throw the corner, and the corner it was miscommunication. It appeared, but you know Nelson's driving on Robinson, so throw throw to the corner, throw to the back pylon. Um, and and, and Pickett didn't. I mean, the pressure probably played a role, but I mean Pickett at least has to I think attempt to throw to Hayward. To me, of all the uh, if we're talking, if we're speculating, egregious. Uh, you know, decision making, uh, 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 you know, but by Kenny that there were, there were a couple others earlier in the game. I thought to, uh, uh, to, to Pickens that he should have ripped it on. Did you see both those up on the, uh, up on the Twitter machine? I went through a couple clips. I, I assume it's on your timeline. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Um, see, see if you can look at a couple of those real quick in there. off the top of your head. Can you just kind of describe one of them? So uh, what one of was that in breaking route where it uh, looks like he has the window and the defenders back, back, back to back is to him. Uh, feels like one of those I'll have to see. Mm, uh, the one we say rip it, Kenny. I'm looking yeah. at this one right oh, now. Well, that, that's, that's one of them. That's, okay. that's the first one I came across. Uh, and here, let me send you the other one here real quick. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to go back through and see his eyes and see the progression. Um, so I, I can't say probably with certainty, I just but sent you, I see what you're saying. The other one there with, with the defenders back to him. It feels like if he, it feels like that's, I mean, it's gotta be an anticipatory throw, uh, you know, but there's a window there to the defenders back to, 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 to him. I mean, what's the worst yeah. thing that happens there? 
Yeah, I mean, they hit that last week on on Pickens off a of play action. It looks like the same play call just at first glance here. I mean, it's a it's a tight throw, but you're right. Defender's back's turned. Um, and then Pickett goes right for some reason into a lot of pressure, which is uh, a worse idea. So kind of compounding problems. So, yeah, I don't think Pickett played well in the underthrown deep ball to Kevin Austin. We can talk about the repetitive play calls, but there's a actual throw component to it. And, and Pickett, you know, I thought was short on that. And just again, unproductive, just not able to put points, not able to convert on possession downs, can't can't start early. It is really hilarious that, as you mentioned earlier about the Matt Canada, we don't play well from behind, and yet they're the slowest starting team you're ever going to find. And so it's like, okay, what is okay? It goes back to identity. Who who are you if you understand that you you don't play well from behind, and yet you have the worst opening scripts in football? You're the one of the worst teams on first down in football, which they are. They're four point six yards per play. I believe that's 28th or so in the NFL through the first month. Um, nothing that you're building is, is winning football. Right. You're not, you're, you're opening script that you're coming out with plus another, another 10 plays. It feels like, I mean, you're not, you're not getting anything. It feels like, Oh, well, we don't care what happens. We just want to fill them out to see what they get in. And, and hopefully our defense keeps us in it so we can get back to some of this stuff. All of what happened to uh, against like the Raiders, right? Exactly. And when your defense can't do that or the dam finally breaks in the second half, then you get these big blowout losses, which are becoming so frequent. But I really just see. But even like we just mm -hmm. stated there, I mean, we're talking about the end of the third quarter. It's 16 to six. You're not getting blown out. I mean, no, it it, it feels like it on the TV tape. But I mean, quite honestly, you should probably have been down 21 to nothing. You know, but you yeah, I'm saying the, the dam broke in the fourth quarter, right? They, you know, just got messed up there. But you're right. I mean, they the, the the Pittsburgh model is play really good defense, win low scoring affairs, keep a lid on things, try to have your defense win early, let your let your offense get in a rhythm in the second half with more tempo, more passing, get back into the game that way. That's how they play literally every game that they've ever played in the last like five years. It's just close, get down early. Defense steps up, makes some plays, gets some stops in the second half. Offense puts a couple drives together, win it in the last five minutes. I mean, that is the model of every single game we've experienced. Now, and in, 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 you know, to uh, with, with Kenny, there were a couple of nice ball placements. I mean, the extended play and the one to Najee Harris. I'm not sure how he fit that one in there. Uh, and then Najee, uh, very good after the catch uh, on that one. And then the one into the end zone to George uh, to George Pickens. That was that was very good ball placement in. You know, you, you, you put that there, uh, giving your guy an opportunity to make the play and, you know, George Pickens couldn't make that one. Yeah. To be fair, there were some plays that Pittsburgh needed to have and didn't. And that one, the Pickens is probably the best example of that. And we can talk I mean, about what, some... what, what if you make that one? I mean, I, I know, I mean, you could go through this, we could play this game every week, but, but, but what, if, what if you hit that one? Obviously it was before, right before the, uh, the injury, right? Yeah. It was right on the. I forget the exact situation of when that play occurred, to be honest. That was on one of their field goals, I believe, right? Right. Uh, but obviously before Pickett got hurt. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it changes the complexion. They, they had a couple drives in the second half and came away with three. What did you think of Tomlin kicking the field goals in those situations? It was, what, a fourth and two, I think he kicked the first one on. And then I believe a fourth and goal from the five. I might be misremembering slightly here, but what were your thoughts on those decisions? I think that just comes down to him thinking that he can trust his defense from that point of the game moving forward and that they'll get it figured out on offense. That's the only takeaway I have from it. Maybe. I, I thought it was less 
he might have been part trusting his defense, but does he trust his offense? Does he trust his OC to come up with a good play on fourth down? And right. based on the fourth and one play they actually ran, maybe Tomlin wasn't in, in a way right to kick the field goal because if you don't trust your offense, your OC to come up with a good play in that you know big money waiting moment, then you kick field goals instead. All right, you have uh, what uh, fifteen pass completions by uh, by Pickett in or or eighteen as a team. Jalen Warren leads your team in 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 uh, with six of them, and also uh, led the team in receiving yards. Right with twenty six. I mean, you're not no, gonna... Najee led. Oh the no, team. Najee one catch. Najee one one for thirty two. Yeah, the one we just talked about on on on, on the tight window one there. So uh, your your running backs accounted for seven receptions for fifty eight of your 114 passing or 132 passing yards in total. Uh, Mm. It's hard hard to count the Trubisky stuff, but yeah, four passing first downs in this game, zero in the first half. Hard to, hard to do. That's hard to do in a game where you're playing catch up, especially think you get a couple of these garbage first downs and they, they really couldn't even do that in this game. Right. So in terms of the line, as you said, I, you know, it did not seem like Jones played well. I'd have to go back and watch. I thought stunt pickup was pretty poor. I thought the interior pressure was too much. Cole did not seem to, to play much better than he has all season. Again, I got to watch the tape on on those things. Did you get any impression on how Herbig looked at right guard? Uh, I, th- I think he started off okay, but it kind of went downhill for him as well, too. Once again, uh, you know, I, I, I struggled to come up with uh, what the best... Uh, what the best saltine was here. You're saying the, uh, her big Coca-Cola 400 was running strong until yeah. the, the wheels came off. Yeah. We, we yeah. was running. Uh, yeah. The, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the Bud Light, uh, uh, Ford was running well today until we blew an engine. Well, you yeah. Know. And they blew it all their tires. Seven, and... 17 laps in. <laughs> yeah. Right. More like <laughs> one lap in. That's when you have the random, uh, did not finish line on that one. The dude in last place. So, and and didn't you point out that they'd like to stun a lot? You know, oh, yeah. so, so uh, it, 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 it's it's not like once again, it's not like they came out and you know uh, surprised them with anything there. And you know, and no disrespect to that front four, but you know, it's not one that you that you come out thinking about. Ooh, Lord, you know, be, be, you know, obviously Will Anderson's a talent boy, Grenard. Uh, uh, really had a good game in this one as well, too. And uh, even some of the stuff that they tried to run, I thought there's very good recognition from the, their defensive lineman on some of the, like that uh, uh, slip screen to uh, Fryermuth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've seen it before. Aha, uh-huh, I've, I've seen this. Why, you know, he's releasing on me like this, just a recognition from what they saw just from the defensive lineman alone allowed them to make plays. Right. And on the other side, the Texan screen game in the first half was smooth as butter. I mean, Pittsburgh was able to figure some stuff out in the second half, but that's when you're playing from behind and just trying to get back into the game. You, you want to try to solve those things before they become problems you have to adjust to. So that's the frustrating part. And, and yeah, I mean, the reason why the Texans line did not look poor in this one, because they weren't put in situations to look poor in. They weren't in third and long. They weren't playing from behind. They could take the air out of the ball in the second half. Pittsburgh Against the Raiders, you know, Pittsburgh's pass rush could pin their ears back and they got pressure because of that. And this game, no such thing. And again, they just had a great counter. They ran the ball effectively. I mean, D- Damon Pierce's first run of the game was for 13 yards. 
his longest run of the game or longest run of the season coming into this game was 10 yards. And so he's already, you know, matched or surpassed his total for longest run on his first carry. The perimeter game was, was really good with Tank Dell, with the, the tosses to Pierce, some of the counters and linebacks, uh, the zone scheme in general. Pittsburgh really did not did not have a solid answer for that one. All right. Uh, what else? Uh, I know you haven't looked at the all 22 on it yet, but uh, what are what are your final uh, other kind of takeaways from the offensive side of football? Just, I mean, obviously unproductive, crap. just crap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, a mess, but just nothing that elevates anybody ever and the players didn't execute. I mean, it, it's, it's a it's a phrase I've used last year and I'll continue to use it because it remains true. The coaches do nothing to elevate the players, and the players don't do much to elevate the coaches. And so when neither side's able to really elevate the other, you get outcomes like this. All right. Uh, obviously, people continue to call for Matt Canada's head. What did you think about Tomlin's postgame comments about changes? <laughs> changes. I wish uh, things were as rosy as that song right now. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I guess he didn't specify, obviously, what changes will be. He just said, hell yeah, there'll be changes. Does that mean big, small? I imagine there'll be some tweaks. We'll try to, you know, go out there and, and pluck out for you guys. But we'll just wait and see. You know, people, I we get some emails and comments all the time. Why aren't you guys ho- hollering for Matt Canada's head and all like that? And I tried to lay that out la- late last night on, on Twitter. Look, uh, you know. Uh, do we do we think the offensive coordinator has 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 lived up to his end of the bargain since arriving? Absolutely not. You know, but what good does it do for us to spend 30 minutes ranting about how the Steelers need to fire uh, uh, Matt Canada? It doesn't matter. We we could sit here and do two hours on it, and it's and and really get people lathered up. Well, probably not even lathered up even more than they already are on it, but. I'd rather spend my time breaking down why this looks like crap instead of, you know, worrying about stuff like that, that probably isn't going to happen. And once again, you know, uh, I, you know, it's groundhog day back to last year. Again, you know, people keep asking me what, what, what are the chances of them firing Matt Canada? I, my same response, uh, you know, as a year ago, I, I would think that if it's going to happen, uh, it would happen. Uh, during the bye week, and but even so, I mean, this team does not have a history of firing uh, uh, coordinators mid mid season. So whatever these changes that uh, hell yeah, my, that, that Mike Tomlin says they're going to make, I, I I personally I don't see them including removing anybody from the coaching staff. I don't think it's going to happen this week. I mean, if you lay another rank against Baltimore, which is certainly possible, then I guess we'll see. But I just know that we can certainly and have and will continue to criticize Canada. You know, we can call for the firing or not. It's either going to happen or it's, or it's not. So really, that's all there is to, to be said about that. Um, and then, OK, let, let's say you do do get him out of here. It's probably going to be uh, Mike Sullivan. Right. And then literally, how much how much would you expect to change? Well, I mean, as I've said before, I think there's I think it'd be a bit more to change than maybe where you come from, not necessarily in, in your playbook. You're not going to have a whole new playbook scheme. It's going to be the same plays, but you're not going to call the same shallow cross 12 times, you know, that kind of stuff, game flow and knowing when to go back to stuff and when not to go back to stuff and how you mix things up and your fourth and one calls and your got to have a type moment, your, you know, whatever it is, and goal situations, third and short, fourth and short, two point conversion. That stuff, I think, could be altered by a, a new face. All right. Well, can't you just get that accomplished? 
uh, and say, look, Matt, you're going to get, you're going to get, uh, uh, get your feelings hurt here, but you know, Mike, Mike Sullivan's going to play a big part. You know, I want to see both of you put together what you think need to be done here. And then let's roll with that offensive game plan. Yeah. I mean, maybe sure. At that point you might, might as well just fire the guy. I mean, right. He's already kind of taken away his job and, and, you know, just kind of a figurehead as an OC. Um, but ultimately Canada, to my knowledge, is still the play caller. And it's not like he's right next to Mike Sullivan calling the plays because right. Sullivan's on the field and Canada's in the booth. And so Canada kind of has that autonomy to, to make the call. Right. I mean, you're going to have to put a lot of lipstick on this pig or get a different farm animal. Yeah. And they're going to have a different one next year. I'm sure. I just don't know how it's going to go for this year, but uh, let, let's go back to the defense. I know we have flip flop because it's just kind of a lot of venting and we're going to structure this one ne- as neatly as offense defense as we typically do. Um, what, what's what side are you more disappointed in defense. the offense or the defense? Because I, 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 I have low expectations of the <laughs> offense. Any, yeah. Anyway, I don't think they could get any lower going into games anyway. But when you, uh, I, I think in one of my my five keys this week was something along the line: if they can't, you know, shut this running big running game down against this offensive line that they're playing against, then questions need to be asked. You know, uh, and. I think that's where, you know, more questions need to be asked. And what was the stat that you already had after rushing yards through four games? Yeah, this is the first time Pittsburgh has allowed 130 or more rushing yards in three of their first four games since 1976, which, oh. funny enough, which was actually one of the greatest defenses, if not the greatest defense of all time. But that was a different era. Pittsburgh got off to a slower start that year and teams were running the ball, you know, a bunch of a bunch in those those three games. So. Um, you know, we're getting back to historically bad run defense level. Minka Fitzpatrick is on pace for 136 tackles this year. You compare that to 2021 when he set the, the DB record in Pittsburgh for tackles in the season. He finished that year with, I believe, 121 or 124. So he's on pace to easily surpass that mark, which is just when your safety again is making all those tackles. That's a big problem. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Let's, let's, let's talk secondary. I don't think Minka was that great in this game. I don't think anyone was that great in this game, uh, besides maybe Highsmith to, to a certain degree. But the secondary, Dave, you know, Peterson getting burned. He looked slow on that Collins touchdown. Wallace taking his lumps, gave up the early touchdown. Tough play, but still gave it up. What, what, what got me the most, though, from the defense in this game, and I have an article on Steelers Depot this morning about it, the end of the first half, the two completions to Nico Collins for 42 and I think for 12 or whatever it went for the, the following completion, not just the fact you give it up, but to me, the lack of effort that you show, especially on that 42 yarder where Collins is just breezing through guys. What is going on in that moment, Dave? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you hit it. You hit it. You just the, 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 the overall effort on that. You know, but why it's the first half. Yeah. I mean, why are you, it's, it's not, not that that, Poor effort's ever excusable. And I rarely, if ever, comment on effort, Dave. You know me, because I think right. it's a really weighty thing to say. And there can be a lot of variables of play that you might not understand watching it, you know, from my my armchair. But I mean, Keanu Neal's not even trying to touch Nico Collins. And Minka takes a bad angle and Porter has a lackluster, you know, ankle attempt, doesn't even cause Collins to break his stride. Then the next play, you know, Collins almost scored. Had it not been for Minka making a diving play, that's that's a touchdown. I mean, you're just you're just sleepwalking through the end of half there. Yeah, I, I have no excuse for it. I, I, I have no answer for you. 
And that is inexcusable. You can play bad and that's one thing. It's not good, obviously, but you know, that that's, that's a separate thing. But when you're just out there appearing to not even really care or show much effort, that's a whole different concern. Yet you turn around at 16 to six at the end of the third quarter still, you know, uh, and look, they, they, you know, they gave up far too many explosive plays again and uh, missed tackles. I'm sure Josh Carney's going to be uh, busy uh, this week tr- trying trying to uh, sort through all those. So, yeah, I mean, to, to go back to your original your original point there, I mean, which which side of football are you are, are am I most disappointed with coming out of this game? It's 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 easily the defense. No, I understand, and, and I, I I tend to agree just because. It felt like that was going to be the stronger unit that could really make some hay up front. Um, in terms of changes, just to go back to that, since you mentioned it, besides, you know, obviously firing Canada or moving the team to Albuquerque, what changes do you think you're most likely to see from this coaching staff, from this team against Baltimore? Uh, I don't know if they were going to see, I, I think they're going to still tow the company line probably one more week on, on, on Joey Porter. Uh, I mean, I, it, it's time to get him on the field if you're, if you want my opinion, uh, now, but I, 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 I'm not convinced that that change will happen, uh, this week. Uh, who, yeah, who put, comes put, off Peterson or Wallace? I'm thinking Wallace. Yeah, I'm thinking Wallace. And I think I've said as much, uh, you know, in previous episodes as well, too. And look, I mean, would it kill you maybe to put uh, Fahoko in there mm-hmm. against, That's what I was thinking. Uh, against the run at this point? Uh, in, 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 in certain situations, you're already taking snaps away. I mean, you know, it's not one for one, but I mean, look, Loudermilk and Loudermilk and, and, and Armand Watts are just uh, also rands at this point, right? They're not giving you anything. No, a lot of milk's, you know, low snap count in a game where Leal gets hurt reflects that. So I think you saw Benton actually play some right defensive end in their base three, four. I believe that was probably a bit more related to Leal's in-game injury there. But I think, I, I think you have to have Bahoko up for this game, even knowing that, you know, the Ravens could run perimeter stuff. Lamar's a you know, athletic guy that, you know, Bahoko might have a tough time trying to tackle, but you need some pluggers. You need some good run defenders in there. Um, I think, you know, if Leal's out, then you dress Fahoko, Benton maybe play some more defensive ends. You get some, you know, moments where Adams and Benton are on the field together. Fahoko getting more snaps and nose tackle. I think that, that that's one obvious thing this team has to do. Other than that, other than those two guys we just talked about, I, I don't know what else you can do. Offensively, you think, I'm not even sure what, yeah, I, I don't even know what changes there are to make. I'd have to think about it and sit in it for a moment. I mean, just at first blush. I mean, uh, Cole's not getting it done at center. I mean, do you do you when 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 Daniels gets healthy? Do you consider putting Daniels at center? Or do you do you do you see what uh, Nate Herbig has at center? You know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I I hate to use the excuse of could it could it get much worse, but could it? You know, when when it comes to center uh, specifically there, and I mean that. Look, once again, I, I'm struggling to to even tell you who out of the five or even six. I mean, Dan Moore only played eight snaps. I'm struggling to tell you who 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 was the better offensive lineman in this one. You know, and sure. and well, another thing, I you know, once again, uh, uh, especially with with Fryermuth now out now. 
I mean, you have more of a reason, I think, to run 11 personnel. I mean, I'd go out all 11 now. I mean, they're not getting it done. And they, they, for the most part, I mean, they did uh, bust that uh, uh, crunch play. And, you know, there was maybe one other one that, that I thought was blocked up pretty nicely there. But uh, I, I would spread things out and, and, and try to get everything done out of 11. Yeah, I'm probably with you. Um, there's not really a tight end to call up. I mean, you could, you know, like you said, pluck Gentry potentially, but it's not, you know, he's not going to be this dominant Matt Spath type of blocker. Yeah, offensively, I really don't know what changes to make. I mean, you know, does Broderick Jones just remain at left tackle? You kind of work through the growing pains, obviously partly dependent on the extent of Moore's knee injury. I have no idea how serious that may or may not be, but do you just roll with Jones from now on and just let him take his lumps and hope he gets better throughout the year? That, that at least seems plausible. Yeah, as I as I always like to say every offseason now, these things have a way of working themselves out, right? Especially when getting some of these guys on the field. I mean, I think now's the time to go ahead and pull the plug on Dan Moore. Yeah, and again, we'll have to see what the injury is and kind of work from there. Um, other than that, I mean, you know, we'll assume for the moment Mitch Trubisky starts. How much has that changed? Will this team push the ball downfield more? I do think, and it's not been spoken about enough, even by myself, that one big reason for Kenny Pickett's struggles are teams are taking away the sideline throw, the, the one-on-one, you know, deep shot, the pick-ins down the right sideline, whether it's a jump ball or the back shoulder. They've rarely gotten chances to throw that this year. Did a little bit against Houston. There was the one, I think, DPI on Shaq Griffin on a third down. Um, but really, there's not been many opportunities to take those 1v1 vertical shots. And that's the type of thrower that Pickett is. That's where he likes to put the football and defenses have taken that away, forced him to do something else, and he's been uncomfortable because of it. Yeah, uh, I I would hope that uh, if Trubisky does start, that they try more of this quick game stuff to the middle of the field. But how long have we said that? Yeah, and Trubisky is a guy who likes to push the ball downfield. So I don't know for sure if that's going to be their operation but I think they're going to try to take some more deep shots because it's kind of, as you said earlier, they're kind of this feast or famine team. They hit the deep ball. That's how they get their offensive production. It's how they move the football. How many explosive plays does this team have through, uh, through four games now? Of of 20 yards or more runner pass. Is that the criteria? I can look it up here. If you give me a second, um, probably I'll vamp for you here real quick. And and I'll tell the folks that, uh, the game announcers for the, uh, week five game against the Ravens just got released by CBS and you get the iron Eagle crew. I and Eagle, Charles Mm. Davis and Evan Washburn. They've called quite a few Steelers games over the years. So I don't know if that gives, uh, I thought, I thought Spiro and, uh, Adam Archuleta did a good job in that game. For CBS yesterday, yeah, I didn't get a whole lot to work with, but <laughs> um, they did. They did just fine. Just let me hit the button here, and hopefully, I'll be able to pull everything up. Where, where, where would you guess Pittsburgh was at in terms of number of explosive twenty-plus yard plays in scrimmage? Uh fifteen. They're at twelve, which is eyeballing it. We'll call it bottom third ish in the league. Now, some of that's been some garbage I time. Gave, like, I gave probably, them too much credit. Yeah, they're tied with the Falcons, the Jags, the Jets, and the Bucks with 12. The Bengals are the NFL's worst with five. Who would have guessed that mm. coming into the season? How many do the Texans have? 
Houston has 17. That is one of the top marks in football. Does that include the Steelers game? It does. Okay. Yeah. The leaders are the Dolphins with 25, followed by the Chargers with 21, and the Lions and the Rams with 20. Look, you've got to have, be able to manufacture explosive plays. You know, you've, you've, you've got to figure out a way. We've talked about that way too long as well, too. So uh, it's just it, it's asking a lot for for uh, this. What did we say at the top of this season? The defense has got to play well. and They've got to be able to run the football. Right. And and for the most part, they hit. I mean, well, not for the most part uh, to, in totality. They haven't been been able to do either one of those things. Correct. And again, a bad self-starting team, whether we're talking first quarter, first half, or first down, just to reconfirm the numbers, 4.4 yards per play on first down this season. That is tied for about 28th in the NFL, which is actually better than the last two years when I believe they were 32nd and 30th or somewhere around there, but still horrible on first down. All right. Special teams. Time to... Start winding this thing down, I think. Yeah, it was the least offensive part of the game. You know, Boz was fine. Wing had some good hang times. The distance was probably not always as good as you wanted it to be, but he talked about coming from the XFL where it was kind of more hang time oriented than it was distance oriented. Um, Desmond King probably took a couple out he shouldn't have taken out, but these aren't reasons why Pittsburgh lost the game. Yeah, you would like to also have seen Miles Boykin keep that one from going in the end zone, but, you know, bounces are bounces. Yeah, that was, you should have had that one, I thought. But again, not something to really harp on coming off of this game. All right. Uh, what else? My my other kind of big takeaway here, Dave, is, and again, I wrote about this this morning, is the frequency in which Pittsburgh is losing in mm. non-competitive fashion since week 12 of 2021. Over the last 28 games, they've lost six of those games by 22 or more points. Basically they're losing one at every five games by, you know, blowout fashion. And these aren't even, Oh, the game was close. And the other team pulled away late with a couple of fluky scores. It's 41 to 10 to the Bengals, 36 to 10 to the chiefs, 38, three to the bills, 35 to 13 to the Eagles, 30 to seven to the Niners. And then Sunday, 30 to six to the Texans from 1998 to 2020. They only lost six games by more than 22 points. That's now happened over the last three seasons. And to see Pittsburgh not just lose, but lose in such just destroyed fashion is really alarming. It really is. Uh, another hell of a hell of a pull by you there. 19 what? From 1998 to 2020, a 22-year span, they lost only six games by 22 or more points. It's now happened six times since week 12 of the 2021 season, their last 28 games. Mm -hmm. Over that, since 2021, they've now tied the Giants for the most losses of 22 points or more. So when they lose, they're just losing really, really badly. All right, shall we? Uh, well, we got a lot of emails in here. There's no way we're going to <laughs> get to all of them here. Uh, shall we try to tackle a couple of these? 
I have a NASCAR harness I'm strapping on right. right now. But yeah, let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. Uh, Jeremy Patton writes in, Dave and Alex, I believe Mike Tomlin's contract expires after the 2024 season with a growing trend of blowout losses and general me- mediocrity from the team. Did the Rooney's quietly leave the door open to moving on from Mike Tomlin after next year by not signing him to an extension? He says, I'm not in the fire Mike Tomlin crowd, but this tr- this team is trending downwards and the sample size continue to grow larger. I mean, it's a fair question for sure. Uh, I mean, can 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 Mike Tomlin make chicken salad out of chicken? You know what? And keep the bumper sticker on the car. You know, and 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 uh, how will that play? Uh, my my general my overarching feeling right now is that. Uh, Nothing's going to happen with with Tom, at least in the immediate future here. Now, obviously, you know, you got another season to go here, but I mean, uh, we'll have to see if he gets that extension anytime. You know, obviously it's not going to happen in the middle of this season, right? So if it was to have, if it would have to happen to be after, uh, after this season, and then if he doesn't get one, would he be essentially playing for his job in, in 2024, I guess. Yeah, I really hadn't given it much thought. I mean, I I tend to think about those types of things after the season when the whole thing's in the can and you can really look at what happened. I mean, if I I know this won't be popular and I'm not trying to lead with this, but they are two and two. And if they do beat the Ravens, which seems like a big task, but Steelers Ravens game. It would are be classic Steelers yeah. to win this game <laughs> sure. thir- 13 to 11, would it not? It would be 100%. It, it would be vintage Steelers to Come off of this game, because what what is his record off of these blowout losses again, or something? That oh yeah, you had the stat. It was yeah. really good, right? Yeah. So I mean, this would be typical Steelers to mess around and win this game against the Ravens. A thousand percent. And if they do, then they're three and two. And would they technically be the AFC North leader at that point again? Because they would have the win over the Ravens. I yeah, think they I guess, would. I guess. I guess they would. So the sky's back up. So. You know, not that I, I don't think this is a very good team overall. I don't think they're able to sustain and they're going to, you know, really be able to compete long term this season. But we'll see what happens against the Ravens and, of course, the rest of the season and then take a view of things whenever you know, January rolls around and, and we can probably better, for me at least, revisit that discussion. All right, from Mexico, out to Mexico we go. Luis Diaz uh, from Mexico City, obviously frustrated with the ugly product. My questions are, besides Bruce Arians, do you remember any other position coach or coordinator under Tomlin that has become a head coach or a star coordinator? I mean, his coaching tree seems to be non-existent, and that might reflect uh, not not good coaching. I know Tomlin is a great motivator, but does not seem to be a great X's and O's guy, which, and number two, which stand do you agree, agree more with the coaches to adapt the scheme and game plan to the roster they have, or to force the players into the system you want to implement, despite not all players being in the best position to succeed during the learning and adaptation process. I mean, look, I, I, I always think that the goal should be to 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 put your your scheme and your game plan around your your players' strengths, but I mean, obviously they haven't done that in quite a while. Uh, I mean, it's just it's it's just it's it's the same thing every week, you know. 
Yeah, it's really our conversation does not change too much week to week, to be honest, just talking about different quarters and times of the game and that type of stuff Um, to the coaching tree. I mean, we've had the discussion a lot. Tomlin does not have much of a coaching tree. His probably biggest branch is like Scotty Montgomery and Harold Goodwin kind of. Um, but there isn't much of a tree. It's not really something I'm thinking about too much in the middle of all this crap. I understand the broader points you're making about lack of good assistance and all that kind of stuff, but there's a whole, you know, broader discussion about him hiring more older guys and uh, not making a lot of changes in general to the coaching staff. I mean, there's a whole bunch of ways we could probably, you know, delve into that, but, but to answer the question is coaching tree is pretty bare. Jonathan Mason writes in, I know it doesn't help to call for people's heads and I'm not calling for Tomlin's. I'm a fan of his, but I can't help but wonder, do y'all think his, his pride is getting in the, in his, in his way at this point, delaying the inevitable by keeping Canada this year, having the smallest coaching staff refusing to start JPJ, despite people asking and the icing on the cake was admitting his lip service answers last week. Uh, just seems like a lot of these decisions, actions have to do with his own pride because I'll believe change when I see it, uh, see it since we haven't really seen it before. It feels like I don't know how to, I don't know how to answer. I mean, do I think Tomlin's pride is getting in the way? I just, uh, you know, is is Tomlin's pride a factor in all this? I guess would be the easiest way to sum up Jonathan's question. I mean, it's impossible for us to answer. We're not we're not in that building. Uh, my my first blush, and people would probably disagree. Would be no. I don't think his pride is is getting in the way. Could there be some of that old school? stubbornness in there and some may define that as pride i i wouldn't call this pride but just kind of the the way things are done uh be an issue perhaps but i don't know if necessarily pride is is an issue i i just wonder what what they think on every given week right now thinking going in and running running this you know just doing the same how, how what in their mind is leading them to believe this is the week our offense scores 30 points. We're close. Right. We're close. Uh, you know, or, 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 or we're making, I forget what the buzzword Tomlin used last week, uh, you know, getting better. I forget how he phrased it, but yeah, he said we're getting better. Yeah. I mean, what, what are you seeing that we're not seeing now? Granted, we talked about Kenny's missed some throws and, 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 and all like that. But I mean, what are you really seeing there that thinks, all right, guys, this is the week. And, yeah. and and even if it was for some reason you mess up and you scored 28 points on offense in a game, what makes you think that you can go out and do it again? You know, I think and I'm just speculating, obviously, but I think Pittsburgh's thought is, do we radically change things and worry about the consequences that come with all this big shit, all, all these big shifts in the middle of a week? Oh, we you said a pair- bad word. No, 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 no. I was saying shifts. Um, or do we pare things down and try to I'm keep things super mom, simple? So I'm cutting this out and sending it to your mama in my mouth. Um, or do we pare things down and try to simplify things and let these players work fast? I don't think Pittsburgh knows which direction they want to go into. Is that ego? No, I think it's lack of identity. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh does not know what team they want to be. I mean, on paper, they want to be the bully ball team. Obviously, that's not happening. And so when that's out the window, what are you left with? The whole offseason, they said, we are going to be the bully ball team, and they are anything but. So they don't know who the heck they are. Like, I'll ask the question. How does the Pittsburgh Steelers offense win? How do they succeed? 
conceptually. <laughs> right now, I mean, right right now, if, if it, it goes back to what I said, it feels like uh, can we hit a seventy yard play for a touchdown? Right. right. And and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm saying in the sense, and, and I know you're answering this correctly, but I'm just saying to to, to the listeners, I'm asking that question in the sense of what is your philosophy? What is your mode? If you if, if Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada were to answer the question, the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is built to do X, Y, and Z. I have no idea what X, Y, and Z is right now for this this unit. Try not to turn the football over. It feels like it feels like don't make the don't make the critical mistake. Right, which was the model of the back half of last year, and it worked. It worked really well. They went seven and two, but they could also run the ball well, and they stayed on schedule, and they were more productive on first down. They had a great third down offense, better in the red zone, and those things are not happening this year. It goes back to, to you know, the, their identity is that they have no identity through four games, and it does not right. feel like this is going to change this year. 100%. And that, that that's that's the big picture issue is there is no identity for – who this Steelers offense is and really who they want to be. They have an idea and inkling of who they want to be again, that bully ball team, but it is certainly not proving that way out on the field. It feels like every game game plan starts with Tomlin saying, we got to stop the run. If we stop the run, everything else will fall. Our defensive guys will, 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 will make some plays and, and it, in other words, I think the game plan every week, the underlying number one thing at the top of the board is stop the run, period. Sure. Agreed. And then if we do that, everything else will come out in a wash. Who cares? It feels like who cares about two through seven? Just stop the run and everything will be okay, boys. But then what is the thought offensively? I, I guess is that idea of we'll get some turnovers we'll get some good field position right. and 16 well, to 10 our way to victory yeah that's what it feels like yeah and right now the run defense is among the worst in football uh robbie writes in hi david Knox. wow that was bad with all the focus on matt canada's awful offense is it saving pat meyer from from, from some criticism look if, if if matt goes out the door pat's going with him and probably most everybody else on the offensive line or offensive coaching staff for that matter. Um, yeah, I mean, I, well, I think typically assistant and positional coaches sign two year deals. So Meyer, I believe would be in the second year, second year with the team. So I assume his contract again, speculating, but I assume his contract runs through this season. So if this is time to make a change. That would be. And if I bring in a new offensive coordinator, I want him to shop for his coaching groceries, you know, Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be some other changes. I don't know if they'd clean house 100%. I mean, I think Alfredo Roberts would stay. Maybe Eddie Faulkner would stay. I don't know what contracts are for some of those guys off the top of my head. I- I'm going to be a little revisionist, but why didn't this team just dump Canada last year in the offseason you know, yeah. when, when 2022 ended? And, and and I literally, I have the tweet saved. I'm going to I'm gonna have to do the... Con- uh, I continuity, you so. right? Yeah, look, how, how, how was that working for you, Pittsburgh? Yeah. Um, they- I had to... They have continuity for sure. Oh, they got yeah. It sucked last year. It's sucking this year. They really could have keeping that consistent. Um, but I had the tweet whenever you know they essentially said that Canada's going to return. I said, well, can't wait for Canada to have a middling season and then get fired and Pickett have to do the OC thing next year. And we're going down that road right now. Except it's not middling. It's it's bad this year. 
Uh, let's see. Criticism from, for Meyer, this line has been heavily invested in for two years and, and look here, you know, we're not even, I'm not even going to make it, uh, uh, through all this, uh, this email here. Here's the thing. They're going to have to, who's, who's going to be the center in 2024. It's way, I, Maybe it's not way too early for that, but uh, they're gonna they're gonna have to have another center, and they're gonna have have to have another tackle, I think, uh, in here. So this is going to be like a three or four year change uh, overhaul of this line, right? You think a core force um, gone after this year? I I think there's a possibility of it. I mean, I mean, even if I mean, do you even want Dan Moore to right tackle right now? I mean, you don't even, uh, and we're, we're it's still early in Broderick Jones. I mean, it's too, it's too early to make a call on Broderick Jones, but the returns haven't been, you know, he's going to have to get, you know, get some time in and all yeah, like that. Yeah, that was his first game, essentially. Uh, and all, but I mean, you know, it, it feels like it's just more than one center away from this offensive line being good, I guess is my point. Sure, it's not just on the center position of why this line has struggled far from it, but I think Cole has been a notably ugly spot and i think you put center pretty high on the list of team needs for the 2024 draft let's let's uh end this with an interesting one from cosmo Moore. i don't want to talk about the game there's been enough misery how do you two consume the game i struggle to just keep up with watching and following you guys on twitter i don't know how you guys watch tweet make the little instantaneous videos uh, do you watch the Steelers on one TV and have red zone on a secondary TV? Or are you 100% focused on the Steelers? Are you guys doing your Twitter machine on a computer or a phone or tablet? Your logistics are far more interesting than this dump dumpster fire, <laughs> uh, of a football team. Uh, I I'm 100%. I don't have, uh, I don't, I don't have red zone going while the, while the game is on. And, and, and I do Twitter all, all on desktop and I have an, uh, amazing, uh, setup that I have uh, via tweet deck that helps me uh, see other things going along with news and obviously play big plays from other games. So just my own setup alone with, with, with TV uh, tweet deck alone. And then, you know, I, I keep the, uh, the media NFL site play by play in another tab. That's easy to access uh, and it helps me memorize games by putting the play-by-play in on 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 Twitter as much as I can. I probably do that probably two thirds of the plays throughout the game. That helps me mem- kind of memorize the game that way. But I will I will tell you this: uh, I absolutely have to watch the uh, the TV copy again uh, as soon as I can get my hands on it after a game. Because I miss so much. Now Alex is more like a color guy. He can he doesn't have to really keep up with, with, with posting on Twitter. And I do Twitter more for the fans and really myself as well too, because I think it helps me memorize games there. But Alex ha- has the ability to watch and and analyze more in real. And Alex catches stuff way way earlier, uh, a lot of things way earlier than I do as far as the the, the live viewing uh, of the tape. But even so, I mean, we both agree that, man, we, we got to get, get our hands back on that TV copy as soon as possible. Yeah, it, it's hard to make those conclusions about uh, a lot of things live. I mean, my setup is nothing special. There's a laptop, 
television. I have the ESPN box score up and that's really about it. Um, it's probably gotten harder to watch some of these games live just from the inside baseball stuff with the site. If you're writing about an injury that happens mid game or some right. play that happens or whatever, you know, you're, you're looking at the screen half the time, um, which kind of helped yesterday because I, I really wasn't interested in watching some of the third quarter, fourth quarter of that game overall. So watching the TV tape and of course all 22 is more important, but there really is no no crazy, funky, magical setup. It's just my uh, my computer, my laptop, and my television. And we're both obsessive compulsive, uh, you know, with, with 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 our with our systems at this point and all. But I I will say this. I mean, we, I know I do. I miss so much. I mean, I don't catch everything. I, I don't catch. Mm-hmm. I don't catch two thirds of probably what if I just sat there and just watched the game that I'd be able to catch. So, I mean, it, it, it's not perfect. It's just, it's just what we do. And I, I guess it works to some degree, but look, we're both clamoring to get to that TV tape. And I usually try, you know, depending on if it's a night game or, or whatnot, like yesterday, I was able to make it through the TV tape twice uh, before I went to bed last night. And then boy, I, I can't wait to get my hands on the all 22 as, as soon as it comes out as well too. So, I mean, uh, not many people care about how the sausage is made mm-hmm. on, on, on on our end. Let me just ask you real quick. Do you have a time, a day when you prefer watching the old 22? I like watching it at night when things are slow, the news cycle is done. I can just really lock in on the old 22. Oh, well, look, the, the single best day of the week is that uh, Tuesday night, I think, after, let's say, a Sunday game, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, put it on the big screen, you know, Chromecast it. Now, look, I'll have that thing running all all the time. So, you know, when when whenever I'm not doing anything site related, I can just look up and watch a couple, three or four plays in a row, you know, and, and it, you know, that kind of thing. So it's it's constantly running with me. But I think Tuesday night, let, let's say for like any game on a Sunday, the single best night of the week for me is Tuesday night. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I I just take any night just because it's hard for me to watch during the day because you're constantly clicking off because of the news or just the, the the flow of the day. And so whenever things are silent and it's nighttime, you can really just, I think, really not just, as Mike Tomlin would say, not just watch the tape, but study the tape. Right. And look, as consumed as we are, I mean, yeah, I get into Wednesday and Thursday of the week. I'm still, oh, you know, I I, I still pick up on stuff that oh, yeah. I miss, you know. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I, I go through the damn thing 10 times, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that's a good place to end it here about, I guess, about an hour, almost an hour and a half in. Uh, let me see maybe if I got one more for the people here. To make this an even night. And just a reminder, no live stream tonight. We was not planned to have one tonight, but just for anyone wondering, that that'll be scheduled for next week after the Ravens game. Uh Todd Jensen writes in, I can only imagine the emails you are getting. It's a long season. It sure seems like Tom isn't having the team prepared. And they are getting out coached early on. All that can be fixed all of that can be fixed to a degree. Biggest concern. Dave, you always said you need to see Kenny play 20 games to determine what, what he's going to be. It sure seems like he's not developing. He has actually regressed a bit. He says, I feel with Canada and pick it together. We won't ever know uh, how Pickett will be in a Steelers uniform. Finally, how long 
for the Steelers to make the decision and possibly go after another quarterback in the first round. They have so many holes, cornerback, linebacker, center, and needing to address positions like the quarterback will no doubt set them back once again. Thanks for always being our sounding board with tough losses like this. Look, I, I can tell you right now, I mean, for, for those of you that want this team to go after a, a first round quarterback, I, I don't, I, I don't like to talk in absolutes, but I can almost guarantee that's not going to happen. Uh, in 2024. Would you agree with that statement? I think they'll stick with Pickett another year. I think it becomes a more relevant discussion of should they look for a franchise guy? Do you believe the pick Pickett has started now 16 games? He's basically played a full NFL season and the numbers are just surface level, but the numbers are 11 touchdowns, 13 picks, 62.4% completion rate, adjust adjusted net yards per passing attempt. Of four point six five, and it's four four nine this year. I think we look the the whole pocket thing has been there the whole time. That hasn't changed, right? Him bailing on clean right. pockets, right? Okay, right. I would say that his decision making has gone has definitely regressed. Would you agree? Yes. Since since the second half of last season, yes. Uh what else uh, is there? What has gotten what? better? Yeah, that was gonna. Uh, what has got? I mean, I think some of these throws on the move. Yeah, I mean, did did a decent job last year. I, I think maybe just some general command and an ownership of the offense, but those are things that you know really any any guy would get with some experience and some time. Uh, when we get to the twenty game mark here, in, you know, hopefully in the middle of the season, assuming this this knee injury isn't is isn't as bad. Uh, I think I think we're all going to be clamoring to see what he can do under the next OC. But will that turn into, well, he's only had one year under that, yeah. you know, uh, mm -hmm. how, how are the excuses going to play out at post Matt Canada? I, it, it, that's where my head is at now. OK, all right. Well, the, the scheme is the scheme. Uh, it, it I'm worried about his decision making. I'm worried about the overall ability to throw that football 50, 52 yards, air yards. Uh, and you know, I'm worried about the pocket stuff and I'm worried about the decision-making stuff and all like that uh, uh, right now. I Can he play, can he learn to play, make more plays in structure, period? You're saying, can he? Is he capable of learning can, how to do that? Can he? Yes. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I don't see any reason why he couldn't be. Capable. Look, he he's not Patrick Mahomes, right? Sure. I don't know. I don't think anyone's trying to uh, put him I in mean, that box. And 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 he's he's probably not going to be the Ben Roethlisberger extend to play type of guy, right? Sure. So. And plays are designed to make plays within structure. So, uh, you know, can he become more of a, a, a can can he become a better quarterback within structure? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that he can. My my question, and I guess it's a bit more broad, is just can he become maybe a top ten quarterback in football? And obviously, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. But nothing it's not points looking, not looking too good right now. Nothing points to that at the 16 game mark right now. Now right. you can, uh, sure. You, uh, 
talk about the scheme, talk about the offense, you know, and, 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 and all like that. But my worry is, is okay. You change the offensive coordinator. Uh, and I'm not even talking, let's say you fire Matt Canada right now. I think the rest of the, uh, uh, the season, you know, how much are you actually going to change? Yada, yada. Uh, once you get past that into next year, let, let's say a new offensive coordinator, you know, is it going to be an excuse after 2024? Well, he needs a second year with, yep. with, 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 with whoever, you know, and then now we're at the, the stage where you have to make a decision on, you know, or, or, or you know, is you going to give him money? Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. That's where that conversation is going to go. You know, first year, it's his rookie year. Second year, oh, Matt Canada is just really bad. Third year, well, it's a new OC and whatever else happened. Oh, and Deontay got hurt. What, you know, whatever the story is going to be for next year. So eventually you got to make a call and, and I'm not making, you don't make the call right now, but I'm not, I'm not seeing the evidence to pick. It's going to be this, this true long-term guy that can compete again in an AFC that has so many talented quarterbacks. I, I think the big thing from this point forward into the rest of this season that I would like to see is him make rip some of these throws like the, the two that we talked about earlier in the show. I would like to see him as bad as this offense is make the plays that at least are there or seemingly there from, from our YouTube uh, uh, scout eye of being able to be made. Fair. I want to see him get off his first read more consistently. And I want to see him hang in the pocket and not leave on some of these clean pockets the way that he has been. I think those are the two biggest things for him for the, for the rest of this season. Yeah, and hopefully he comes back sooner than later. We don't know exactly when that'll be. Uh, maybe after the bye, maybe later, and, and we'll go from there. Should uh, forgot to mention this, Dave. It's a small footnote, but Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh is so broken they can't even get their plane right. They got stuck on the tarmac in Houston for apparently several hours for mechanical problems. Uh, they landed in Pittsburgh. I don't know exactly what time it was, but I guess some time last night. And so for the second straight week, they've had mechanical problems on their uh, flight back home. So I'm guessing they're probably really happy to have a home game against Baltimore. I'll end it with a fletch with some fletch here. It's either the bypass line or the Felter valve. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know what that means, right, but I will you, you, laugh. I'll give you the courtesy laugh. Uh, all right. You need to watch that at some point there. Mm -hmm. Fletch. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at terrible podcast. Email the show, the terrible podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate Steeders Depot.com and find the donate button. Probably if you're doing it mobile, it's on the flip out uh, uh, menu over there to decide where the three dots are. And the same goes for the uh, ad free version of the, of the site. If you're on mobile there, if you're on desktop, it's in the upper right uh, corner of the navigational bar, both those buttons there. So, uh, we'll plow through the all 22 like we do every week and be back on Wednesday and recap that start talking about what Mike Tomlin had to say on Tuesday and looking forward to Ravens week uh, here in week five of the NFL season. So as always, thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.